On this episode of Resi Week, Microsoft buys Nuance and Harmony is finally dead. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 271, Nuanced Speech. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlona, the go-to provider for AV signal distribution and control in corporate, higher education, and residential spaces. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for AV Nation. TV. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Mr. Alex Capasolantro. He's the founder of Josh AI. How are you, Alex? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. And then we have my good friend, Bradford Bend. He's the founder and CEO at Advisus. How are you doing, Bradford? I'm doing great. I'm finally done editing your interview, which is nice. It's only taken me like a month and a half. Well, that's so, what happens when the two of us get on a show, kind of like yeah. possibly. Alex has no idea what he's in for, because uh, although he and Bradford have cross paths, he's never been stuck on a podcast with the two of I us I prefer together. the term, gotten the experience to enjoy. Enjoy being here with us. Yes. yes. I've, I've been on the podcast with Matt probably five, six times now, so I, I know the bar is low. I'm ready for that. Wow. <laughs> oh, I already like and, him. And there can I keep this, him? You can. <laughs> Okay, bye, Matt. <laughs> See ya. All right, gentlemen, let's kick this off with a story that actually comes to us from the New York Times. Microsoft is going to buy Nuance for $16 billion uh, to focus on healthcare tech. Now, you should know who Microsoft is, but if you don't know who Nuance is, they are a leading uh, artificial intelligence and spe- speech recognition software uh, manufacturer. They're behind uh, a ton of things, including uh, things like Dragon Dictate and Dragon Medical, as well as a boatload of other things. They were uh, known for providing some speech recognition software that was behind Surrey, uh, as well as a bunch of the other players in the voice field, which is one of the reasons I'm really happy to have Alex here today, because if anyone knows the voice field, it's it's probably him. Alex, when you when you see this, this is a. I will argue that this is a massive deal for Microsoft. This is really their biggest acquisition since purchasing uh, or acquiring LinkedIn for twenty six billion. This is their next largest one in recent years. What is this going to do to the speech recognition industry in, in, in what the the field? What what is that going to look like? Uh, once Microsoft completes this purchase? Yeah, so there are a lot of dynamics at play here. The very first thing I want to just address is, you said it's a big deal for Microsoft. I think it might be a big deal, but it might not. It's kind of like Microsoft buying Skype. You know, It seemed like Mm -hmm. a big deal, kind of didn't really take over the world. It's actually a much bigger deal for Nuance and for the voice industry. And I think it tells us there are huge acquisitions at play, It's certainly raising the bar on the competition between Google and Microsoft and others, you know, IBM with Watson. They've got a lot of competing technologies as well. Um, But Nuance is a really complicated company. And we've worked sort of with them, without them on and off for a number of years. And they've 
can continue to innovate and do really cool things, but also really piss me off. And so I kind of feel like this is an exciting opportunity. So just to give a little context of, of what I mean, Nuance was really at the forefront for a lot of the ASR technology, the automatic speech recognition, which is converting speech to text. They started off with a, maybe not started, but early on they had a product called Drag, Dragon Dictation, which was all running local on your machine. And it was really for people that needed assistance with typing. And it you know, quickly grew as voice control grew. The early days of Siri were built on a lot of nuanced technology. And of course, over time, Apple's built their own technology and moved away. But what's been interesting is six years ago when we started Josh, Nuance was one of the companies that we were very excited to work with. But we found it was sort of like Samsung. They have lots of different divisions that don't all work together. You're talking to one, it's the wrong one. They connect you to another. They don't even know about the other one. It's a really siloed, interesting company. But we eventually got to the right people through Cedia Expo. I was actually on a panel with a senior VP at Cedia Expo at Nuance. And we started talking about our focus on privacy and embedded technology. And at, after that, that experience, we basically were able to get the right contacts. Um, the person that was on the panel hooked us up and, and we worked with them for quite a while. Well, we kind of forgot about Nuance for a little bit because a lot of their tech, you set it and then you forget it. You're not you know, updating day to day. Well, we started talking to Nuance again about six months ago because one of their not founders, but first handful of employees became a customer of ours. And he reached out saying, I'm so excited about Josh, but there are all these cool things at Nuance that I don't know if you know about, I want to connect you in. And so he connected us with folks at Nuance, you know, in the last six months. And what I learned kind of confused me even more, but it also made a lot of sense. So this is what Nuance has been up to. They've realized that they do so much business, and I'm talking about in the billion, so much business in the medical space that they actually started to divest everything else away. They created a, a second company called Searance, which is their automotive focus company. Searance, I do not believe is part of this acquisition. I think that's a separate entity. And it turns out the technology out of Nuance that we had been working with actually is owned by Searance now. So we're not really a Nuance customer, we're a Searance customer. And so when you look at Microsoft buying Nuance, all of the headlines, when you really dive in, it's about Microsoft getting into the medical space. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because they're talking about, you know, this could potentially double Microsoft's, you know, business with everything that, that Nuance is able to expose them in the medical field. So I think it's really exciting for Nuance. I think it's really exciting for voice companies. But I think for many of us that are using voice control in residential and commercial applications, it's not going to have a direct impact. But I think it shows us that there's a greater market. There'll be more fundraising. You know, typically when you see an acquisition of this magnitude, investors like to follow. And so I think we'll see more innovation, more, you know, more VCs and private equity players coming in. Um, but at the end of the day, do I think this means that Microsoft is going to be a more meaningful player in the world of AV Nation and what we all do? I doubt it, but you never know. There goes my dreams of a Cortina uh, T-stat again. Cortana. So, Cortana. See, can't even can't even pronounce it right. Uh, so, just I, I hold, agree with hold your thought one second. Um, yeah, Sirens was spun off in uh, October second of twenty nineteen. Uh, so yes, that that should be fully spun off. Mister Ben, I I want to agree with. I actually I do agree with a lot of what Alex has said. 
uh, having been owned by Samsung for a little while, yeah, you have no idea who's working with who. Uh, I also had involvement with Nuance when I was at Harman. Uh, we used them both in the pro products uh, as well as automotive. And at one point we were, Harman was one of their largest customers. Uh, but I think what's really interesting about this is this addresses issues while might not be as obvious to a lot of the AV Nation marketplace is going to have an impact because the fact that this can be done on premises becomes a huge thing. Like I know, for instance, Josh AI does on-prem and that's one of those things that interests me in it because security, privacy, the fact that Nuance has achieved medical grade security for, for medical dictation is huge. So now all of a sudden you can have your voice control system at that level of security. That becomes the big thing both for the home market where people like me who want a lot of privacy can run everything disconnected from the network, disconnected from the big evil cloud. Amazon doesn't know what I'm doing, nor do they understand it. But also for the Fortune 500 companies, Fortune 5000 companies, doctor's offices, military, all of that stuff. So while it might not be directly residential, I think the overall move is a strong move uh, for Microsoft. I think it's going to have a long-range implication. I also think it's going to help an awful lot with some of their office products, like Cortana, like Microsoft uh, Dictation that's built into Word and Excel and all that stuff. The fact that it does multiple languages, whereas many more, Nuance has a much larger library language than most of the other text-to-speech or speech-to-text companies out there is huge. If, you know, I used them at airports. I could do messages in three languages without knowing any of the three. Uh, and one of those was English. But it's... So to me, it's a big move, as, as Alex said. It is going to have ramifications, not directly to us, especially in the residential market, but I think it is going to provide an interesting pushback on Google and Amazon. And I think it will provide an interesting boost to productivity. And I think with work from home uh, being as high as it is, I think this could actually become a more secure dictation method, a better communication method, uh, so to speak of some people don't like to type. As he said, I have friends with carpal tunnel who can't type. So if they can dictate it and it stays in their office and then convert it to an email and they send it and it stays end-to-end -end encrypted, that's huge. You know, it's, it's a big thing. And I do think it will have impact. Uh, do I think Microsoft's going to get into the home? No. Do I think they're going to license this technology to make it work with Xbox? Yeah, that could be a huge possibility. So I do think it, it has some play and it is going to have some, some roll-on effects that were not always obvious. Uh, like people will get tired of Alexa not speaking as well as Microsoft's office dictation works. That's going to force them to get better. So it, it has an interesting impact it's definitely going to impact companies that are leading edge like Josh that are doing stuff on-prem instead of cloud, sorry, on-premises instead of cloud. So I do think it's a big move. 
I think, as he said, it's going to put a lot more money into from venture capitalists and investors into voice to speech and your voice to text and text to speech. Are you concerned? Because, are you concerned, Bradford, that we we've seen this with multiple large companies like Microsoft? Something gets brought in to working in, in this case medical. It gets stuck in that silo, and there's conversations about it moving but do you think that will be a limiting factor that it's coming it's not it's not being brought in for their business development you know office suite the productivity suite it's being brought in for medical see is, I, is i'm not concern? as concerned about that i understand the concern especially as as alex alluded to of the the silos microsoft mm -hmm. has those just as well but nuance is based on an api automatic program automated programmatic interface and that means it can it's easily portable and can be used in multiple things there's even a microsoft standard for how you talk between text-to-speech engines i forget the the acronym off the top of my head so it's already productized to some degree and can be moved relatively easily now assuming they don't break that productization it's a slam dunk it's easy and ready to go uh so i think I think the fear of it dying on the vine in medical, while understandable, is much less likely given the, the software architecture that already exists. All right. Yeah, and, and really quick, Matt, just on yeah. that, um, people don't realize Microsoft has so many different products that are, you know, sort of in the weeds if you if you start exploring. They have a, a series of APIs in their Azure Cloud Suite, which unfortunately is not embedded, but it's still very easily integrated. We've done a lot of benchmarking between Google's speech-to-text and text-to-speech engines, Microsoft through Azure, Nuance, et cetera. And we find that Microsoft already had better performing products that they exposed to third parties like us than Nuance. And so mm -hmm. it's interesting. We don't know what Nuance was holding back. We don't know what they're not exposing. But I actually find Microsoft by themselves had more natural sounding voices, more accurate, uh, you know, text transcription. And it would be surprising to me if Nuance technology gets into that side of things, because again, I didn't find it to be superior. Now, what we don't know is maybe Nuance was powering some of that. I don't really know. Mm -hmm. um, but I, again, I do think a lot of the Nuance interest is Microsoft moving into medical. because I yeah. think that's where you have the, you know, $100 billion opportunity for them. Yeah, it's massive. All right, gentlemen, let's shift topics for a moment to an article that comes to us from The Verge. And uh, I'm, I'm going to give a quick shout out to, to Seth from Blackwire because we talked about this last week and we did not record it because it hadn't been public yet. So we, we can have a, a Florida man other than Bradford, but another Florida man who's disappointed that Harmony is, is now dead, which is the title of the article from... Uh, the Verge Logitech has officially discontinued its Harmony remotes. This has been uh, floating around um, the forums and and any any website that you follow that, that revolves around either automation enthusiasts from DIY all the way up to the pros uh, that that Logitech was going to kind of let this not only take a back seat, but now it is officially it's it's done. Bradford, this was kind of the the last the last stand for a product that was DIY compatible, 
there really isn't any other major player that offers a, a custom programmable remote or configurable remote on the market today beyond what you get from a cable co. Does so, lo- sorry, go ahead. No, no, after you. I was going to say, I, I agree with you that it's the last of the mass market mm. configurable remotes for those who want to dive into smart things and using the valve uh, open architecture to create your own panels or doing other home automations, such as, you know, we can pick many of them. I think there are a couple on, you know, that someone might know some something about this. Uh, so I, I do think it is, it's important to say it's the off the shelf yes. user configurable, not yes. the non-user configurable. Uh, I do think it's a sea change of things that might not be obvious to everyone. And I might be wrong. Is it the end of the, is it the end of the era of, because obviously there's a, there's a slew of professionally installed solutions. That's what, you know, my company does all day. That's part of what Alex supports. Is this the end of an era for DIY without digging really deep into, you know, building your own panels, et cetera? I, I think so, but I also think it's not needed as much. Uh, I'll use this as a couple examples. You know, HDMI, high high density media interface or high definition media interface, depending who you ask, has CEC control, which is consumer electronics control. So you got all my acronyms spelled I see out. This. Thank you. But what it allows you to do is all of a sudden the remotes start talking across HDMI and they're starting to get smarter. So like my Apple TV controls my receipt controls. My display controls the volume on my home theater, does this, does that. And I don't need a smarter remote because the devices themselves are starting to get smarter and understand that for a home theater system, not necessarily the high end, you know, million dollar home theater system that's always going to need customization, but the $2,000 consumer buy it at a box store, put it in together for it to be successful. The pieces have to work together. And I think that's why Harmony started to lose traction. And many of the programmable remotes started to lose traction uh, because I didn't have to do anything to configure my devices to start talking with each other. I just plugged in my HDMIs and started using the remote and my Display can control my Apple TV. My Apple TV can control my display. My remote can control Blu-ray. And it's like, I have one remote. I didn't have to customize anything. Does it do everything I want perfectly? No. Is it good enough to hit 80% of the time, which is what the market wants? And the other 20%, I keep the remotes in the arm of the couch, mm-hmm. you know? So I think, I don't think it's, it's a loss. I think it's, migration and the marketplace needing and pushing to have this integrated into the smarter products into making it easier for someone to use. I, once again, I'll go back to my standard. Apple didn't invite invent the IP, the MP3. Apple just made it the easiest thing to use with the iPod. Whereas before MP3s, where you need to be a nerd that could download them, transfer them, burn them to a CD, do something with them. And it made the interface work and it made that successful. That's the same thing a lot of the manufacturers are doing with 
this. And then you add on on top of it, kind of as a detour, how many devices already have Wi-Fi smart remotes that they have an app for? So do you need a Harmony remote at that point? You know, I can control my, my display off my phone. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly fine. I can write an if-then-that if I really want to get custom customization in there. I don't really need an IR customized device now because so much is IP control. Yeah. And that's internet protocol. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll just jump in here. I mean, I, I think there are a number of interesting dynamics at play. The first one is just full, you know, being fully transparent. One of the most requested products we get is to build a Josh remote. Um, you know, it's the type of thing where if you're controlling a TV by voice control, it's great if you want to go right to a certain piece of content or if you want to switch to an input, it's really annoying if you want to browse, mm-hmm. right? The idea of just navigating around a Netflix interface by voice is not ideal. And, and we get the requests all the time because as many people, um, you know, as there are who enjoy Control 4, just as many don't. And same with Crestron, same with Savant, and sometimes it's a matter of cost. And so we have plenty of dealers that like to use the Harmony remote in a Josh environment as your handheld universal remote. And as a result, many, many months ago, we got a call that this was going to happen. And, you know, it was a very hush-hush call. It was, you know, early on. But we reached out to Logitech and we said, look, we get the request for something like this all the time. If you're really gonna you know, moonlight this product, do you have any interest in selling? Do you have any interest in divesting or doing anything? We literally did not get a response back for many, many, many months until it kind of became publicly known. And the response that came back was, yeah, we're not really interested in doing anything with this. We're just gonna shut it down. And that's a little disheartening because I feel like someone be it us or someone else could make something of value here and so then you ask yourself the question are they shutting it down because ultimately it's a product that is losing its its need in the industry is it is it kind of losing its you know its numbers or does it just not make sense for logitech and i firmly believe it's the latter mm-hmm. i i truly believe from what we're seeing People want a universal remote. They want something like what Harmony does, what Neo does, what Crestron does. It, it's a needed product. The price points tend to be pretty high for these products. So a low cost product that doesn't rely on a control system makes sense. But one of the stats that I've seen flown around, and I don't know if it's true or not, the stat that I've seen is that Harmony accounts for less than 5% of Logitech's revenue, yeah. but something like 95% of their you know, support calls. And so it makes sense when you're a company that's generating a billion dollars in revenue, if a product line is making you 50 million bucks, but you're, you know, your staff is largely way towards maintaining that product, you're dealing with a lot of support, it's integrating with lots of products that are constantly updating and changing, it might just not make sense for them. But I do believe that the product category makes sense for someone, for others. Um, and so I, I think for, for the time being, this might drive certain dealers and customers up a little bit to do more Crestron, do more Control 4, do more Savant. Um, but I also think it's going to open up, open up the, the opportunity for more startups. Um, there are a couple I, I know I can't talk about, but that will be releasing in the next year or two that are trying to do sort of a competing product with really interesting cutting edge features. And so I don't think this product category is going away, um, but I do think it makes sense for Logitech based on just how much bigger their other product lines are for their business. Is it, is it something, Alex, where, to, to Bradford's point, 
for a lot of systems, you can get away with using an Apple TV remote, the, the Samsung or the Sony remote that comes with the TV, the cable company's remote, and do 90% of what you need to do in the average you know, TV system. When you look at Harmony, it, it never seemed to make enough inroads in the CI channel. It was so heavily DIY. Is that kind of the going to be the the continual issue for anybody playing in this space? That so, yeah, DIY so is so tech support heavy. Uh, just 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 to to kind of cut you off on that one, they didn't make inroads into the CI space because they didn't want to. They truly didn't integrate with other companies. They didn't want to. They didn't open that up. They didn't build a business model that made sense for dealers. A lot of companies see, you know, Nest got acquired for over $3 billion. They look at Sonos's consumer business. They look at a lot of these DIY products and they feel like that's the path towards success where the reality is this channel is a, a very strong channel for a lot of products. And I do think they could have tried a little bit harder to integrate and create a sales cycle that made sense for, for the business that we're in. And if they had done so, I think we would have seen a lot more integrators adopting the products because I do think they're great products, mm -hmm. um, but I, I know from a, a business and an integration perspective, they really didn't, they not only didn't make it easy, they didn't even try. I shouldn't even say that they put a barriers. So they made it yeah. intentionally difficult for our channel to work with them. And I, I also agree with what Malik said of people want a remote for some of the simpler commands. And after listening to him, I'm like, yeah, I could see where, having a customized remote that allows you to do what you want and how you want it that isn't supported by the Samsung or, or all of this could work. But I also think that this is where the market's ripe for someone to come out with a software-based controller that works on a mobile device. But I'll tell you, I don't use my Apple TV remote in the grand scheme of things. It's my iPhone because the interface works better for me. It doesn't have the weird button that annoys me and makes me throw it across the room only once it, but so that's what I use. And I do that with the Samsung TV also because I can't find the other remote. And I think if someone put all of that into one app and made it all IP based, because I have nothing anymore that's IR that is solely IR based, that to me would be the, the huge difference maker. And I think if Harmony I'm not questioning the business model because Alex obviously has a little more input and background with that. But I think that was where they kind of missed because you had to buy a Bluetooth adapter if you wanted to control a PlayStation. You had to buy an IR. You had to do this. Whereas if someone could come up with a smart way to do it all, all off of one smart device, that could be the winner that everyone loves. And especially if it's not DIY, if it's mm -hmm. as smooth as Harmony was. Yeah, now I'll just contradict that for a second. I agree with the value in doing that for some users. Um, for example, the Josh app does exactly that. I can control any TV, any you know, set-top box. It's all right from the app. I know a number of other apps that are doing similar things. And for certain types of clients, I think that's a great experience. But for a lot of clients, I think they're looking for that tactile remote. They can just pick up. They know where the buttons are without looking. You know, it's, it's just a different viewing experience. 
and and while I think the trend will move more towards what Bradford saying, in the sense of you know the the app experience will gain traction, I think there's always going to be a a significant portion of the market that just wants something they can pick up and they can hold dedicated for their TV. Um, mm -hmm. And I might be wrong, but just from the research we've done, it's certainly a high percentage of the market today. I don't. So then, agree. I I I see your point, Alex. I fully agree with you. I'm wondering, do you think then that there's going to be a stream deck like device that's IP based? That's not, you know, it's Raspberry Pi instead of, or an Arduino based instead of an iPhone or Android based solution. Plus now I need to go look at the Josh AI app, of course. <laughs> Definitely up for your question. Are you talking about a screen based remote or a button based remote? Button, button based remotes, physical button, like a stream deck where I have 34 buttons, each one I can program to do a specific action has a little color LCD on it. You know, if that was possible and made packaged to something small and, and rechargeable, I think that could be a solution because it answers that exact question of more, more tactile feel, the better human interface design specifically for that. Like as some of your products do better than others of the fact that it turns into a volume knob when you're, when you're playing music, it's simple, but that can be done in, you know, I'm assuming you do similar things in the, in the app, but to me, I think that would be the, the winner of the next step, but all IP. I, I think it's interesting. The reason I'm not immediately excited about the idea is I feel like most consumers want a product they can simply buy in box and plug in. And yeah. They're not configuring, they're not setting up. And so I, I think the hacker community, you know, loves Raspberry Pis, and I've seen some really cool configurable devices that probably could work for what you're describing. But I think when it what? comes to what gets installed in the client home, it needs to be beautiful. It needs to be ergonomic. It needs to have a great battery life. And the more customizable, the harder it is to achieve all that. Yeah, that that was I the understand. that was the high point of the Harmony, was that it was simple. The average user could buy it and configure it and make it work. But all right, gentlemen, let's leave it there. Thank you both so much for joining us. Alex, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Josh AI, where do they do that? Uh, these days, probably Twitter and Instagram are best. Um, counts just at Alex Caps and pretty responsive. You can also find everything about Josh at josh.ai. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Mr. Ben, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Advisus, where can they do that? Uh, they can either go to advises.com, A-D-V-I-S-I-S-T, like an advisor, but an expert, like a physicist, like someone who's an expert at physics is a physicist. So that's the way you know it. You also can find me on the Twitters at Bradford Ben to ends. You can also usually find me trolling that uh, somewhere on there as well. So definitely, you know, feel free, stop by and uh, we can chat, obviously LinkedIn and if you put me into DuckDuckGo or your favorite browser and you can't find me, yeah, we got a little problem. Very much so. Thank you again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as, a well, as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. 
when you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Thank you.